This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Hey, good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending where you're at. And today, actually, it's uh, well, noon at least uh, for us. But And I'm Todd DeVoe, and I'm the host of uh, Ian Weekly. And, and I'm Todd DeVoe, apparently, the host of Ian Weekly. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't put Dan's name anywhere in here. So so Dan Dan doesn't get his name recognized today. Well, you recognize me, Todd, and that's all the fulfillment I need. Uh, I appreciate that. So we're, Dan and I, we are here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, at the last day of the International Association of Emergency Managers Conference. And it was a great week. Had a good time. I uh, got to see some really good friends we haven't seen in a long time because of COVID. Uh, it's it's like a family reunion kind it of. It really is. And you get to make new friends, new connections. Networking is, is why we do it. So it's, it was an amazing event. You know, as as Todd mentioned already, we got to reconnect with some people, um, uh, re reestablish those those uh, those relationships, make some new relationships, make some new connections to for professional development. It's been a great week. Absolutely, yeah. Disaster Tech. Um, who? There we go, Todd. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Um, Disaster Tech, uh, who is one of our sponsors, right? Um, they they were here, uh, had a great booth, and uh, they had their mixer, and they they uh, did the Voltron. Right, the Volt, yeah, Voltron, the, the demonstration with uh, Microsoft is amazing. Uh, look forward to when it comes out and they actually announce it to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is going to make training and exercises when it comes to like actual kind of cool stuff going on. Uh, is ML and AI, so uh, that's that's happening. And uh, man, I tell you, it, it, taking a look at this, I just was like, man, where was this like twenty years ago? Because I yeah. could have. <laughs> the level of engagement that you, we're going to be able to get with using this software is going to be amazing compared to what we're able to get now, uh, depending on um, the uh, affability of in our organizations that we're able to use it. But it's definitely the engagement that we could get with that software is going to be amazing. Absolutely. But, you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some other things. And, uh, Ed, I think you're back there, right? I'm, I'm back. I'm here. There you I'm go. Here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I missed you out here, man. You should have been here. We could have done all whole live, everybody. <clears throat> Yeah, it would have been it would have been awesome to be there. I'm I'm here in Washington D.C., so the other end of the country. I've, I'd rather be with you, to be honest. Well, you know what? Next year we're going to be in Savannah, so you can join us there. Uh, Savannah is an awesome city. You're, that's going to be terrific. Yeah. So and tell tell me now. First of all, everybody, you got to you talk about like some of our long business cards with like our titles and stuff. And yeah, uh, and your your titles about like twenty five words long. What what exactly do you do? Yeah, that FEMA would like to know the answer to that too. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think if, the more words you add, the less you do. I think so. I just add, kept adding words. Uh, no, so I'm the team coordinator for the supplemental response teams program here at FEMA. Uh, it, we have our our roots going all the way back to uh, Sandy in 2012, uh, where the fact is. Uh, we ran out of people, right? FEMA, FEMA can put uh, large numbers of people in the field to do what we do, but uh, when you look at the wildfires in the West and when you look at uh, what's going on in the world, we needed help. And so we picked on local IMT people to come in and, and help supplement the workforce. And then it kind of, uh, 
muddles along until 2017, and you think back to Harvey, and we're looking at uh, fatal hurricanes now. Har you know, I think uh, Har Harvey's like 68 people, and the next year's Florence, uh, which is another 22, 25 people, something like that. And once again, wildfires are going crazy in the West, and hurricanes are battering us, and FEMA runs out of people. We we have a uh, a tremendous workforce. We have some amazingly dedicated professional people. We have a surge capacity force and we have a reserve force. And we went through all of that and we needed help. So in 2017, we reached out to the local incident management teams for help. Uh, and they, we put, uh, I think seven teams, uh, don't quote me on that, in to help us in, in the field then. And uh, we had mixed results, to be honest with you. We some of those teams were did amazing work. They were superior. They uh, they provided us with expertise about how to do boots on the ground ICS that FEMA doesn't have. Remember, we're support FEMA's support role. Uh, we're not the boots on the ground guys. Right. So having that voice, that expertise of those local teams was just a huge win for us. Right? It was a force multiplier for us. Uh, but some of those teams perform how about less well? Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's not that they weren't dedicated people. It wasn't that they weren't trying to do a great job. They were, uh, but they, they just did not perform as well. So fast forward to 2020 and Dr. Melissa Van Traska here at FEMA takes the bull by the horns and says, we need to start supplemental response teams. We need to professionalize how FEMA picks up these teams, how we integrate these teams, how we identify these teams to be the ones that uh, we utilize when we need help. So that starts in 2020. And that's when I came over to FEMA that my background is in type three teams. I come out of the region C team in Missouri. Uh, I did some consulting work in California for Cal OES, and that's my background. And so we start in 2020 to really look at what is it going to take to have a supplemental response team, uh, a local, a state, a local tribal territorial team, an SLTT type three team that can operate at a national level, right? So you have that national, that regional and local level. We wanted those national level teams. And we wanted those guys that are operating at a really high level of ICS. That's what we're looking for. That's the guys we want. And bring those in and integrate them into the federal workforce so that when we have another 2017, that we are prepared to respond. That's that's the biggest deal. How are we going to be prepared to respond? So when you, you know, when you talk about uh, response, it's, you know, are you ready to go to work today? Is, right. is really what it boils down to, right? Everything from, are you trained? Do you have the resources you need? Everything down to your go bag. I mean, are you, are you ready to pick it up, get in your car and go to work today? And, but today's work is some kind of disaster, some kind of all hazard. It doesn't have to be a hurricane. Is it a tornado? Is it uh, a chemical plant that exploded? And now there's a cloud of uh, your day just went really badly floating across your town. Right. Right. So this is this is what the supplemental response teams are are doing. We FEMA recognizes that there is a tremendous amount of knowledge out there. Uh, and we want to pick that up on how to do boots on the ground ICS. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, um, 
Dan, Dan, take over for one second. I got to take care of a logistical problem. Speak about logistics. I know Dan has some great questions. Yeah, That's help me manage it for you. See him go to action when we need something. We don't want to lose power here. Uh, but yeah. I, have a, I have a question for you on that. Yeah. On, on the um, when how can FEMA in doing the in in, in in putting these teams together help the local jurisdiction have teams put together um, like this? Uh, can, is there any training? I mean, I know yeah. that FEMA in in general. They, you know, you guys are the you guys come in for secondary help and support and coordination, uh, but what we find is that a lot of the local jurisdictions are over. They they quick very quickly get overwhelmed. How is right. it that we can um, train up the local jurisdiction to uh, have more volunteers that are trained to a level that to be able to help and respond to those situations? So this is a great question, and the fact of the matter is, it's the same question that my administrator Deanne is asking. How how do we how do we as FEMA how do we make for a more resilient nation? So how do we make FEMA more resilient? How do we make us more prepared to go to work every day? How are we more capable of responding? And how can we uh, make sure that the team is the, the team, the nation is more respond is more resilient? So this is a great question. And it is the same question that FEMA is asking ourselves. And it, it does boil down to uh, training, to exercises. Can we step in and can we help you evaluate your team? Can you give me a call? Can you call Ed Mensenworth and uh, send me an email and saying, hey, I, I think I have a team that's capable of uh, being a supplemental response team. And can I and uh, another, a group of people, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be FEMA, it can be other SRT people, come out, do an evaluation of your team and let you know where you're good and where you have some room for improvement help you develop an improvement plan to get your team up to speed. And it, it may be training. It just may be you have a good team, but you don't have enough depth, right? I, I need to make sure that if you're going to be a supplemental response team, that you are capable of guarding the home fires first and that you have enough depth on your bench to do whatever the, your state may ask of you. And then at the end of that, you have enough depth then to help me with a team. So uh, I think Dan, to answer your question is yes, we need, to, we need to be in their training, we need to be in there doing exercises, and we need to be able to show up and help you evaluate your team. There's a great, there is a great tool that comes out of the uh, fire administration, the USFA, uh, that Jeff Soulet over there put together. It's a self-assessment tool, and I would encourage every single uh, IMT, every single incident manager that's listening to your program today, Todd, to, to take that a self-assessment and it'll help you know where you are in the world. And then uh, if you think you're good enough, give me a call and I'll come out and, and help you. Um, but the overall larger picture, Dan, isn't just SRT, but the overall, and I, and I think that's what uh, shows like this help drive is how do we make sure that we as a nation are more resilient and how can FEMA do that? And how can we partner with Todd DeVoe? And how can we partner with the AHIMTA? And how can we partner with IAEM? And how can we partner with NEMA uh, externally? To And how can I internally partner with our incident management assistance teams, with the NIC, with the National Integration Center? So how do we pull all of these things together to make our nation more resilient and more ready to respond, more ready to go to work? So I... I, I hope that answers your question, Dan. I might have just talked around in circles. I don't want to do that. No, you, I, I want to be. Did. I want to be direct yeah. to you. It absolutely did. I appreciate the response, but I have a, a more of a kind of a follow up because what I'm finding, yeah. in, as you said too, um, so the 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 frequency and severity and the population affected uh, by disasters are increasing. 
Uh, every, yes. you know, so, and, and, and you find yourselves, you're running out of people. And I feel, and my personal observation as well, is that the local jurisdictions don't take advantage of the community that they're in. Uh, in I would in, agree with in that. Gathering uh, volunteers and then getting those volunteers trained to a level to respond. Um, and it may, you know, CERT programs are great, but there's uh, there's a level of training that goes beyond that CERT training to be able to uh, for made big disasters that goes more than just search and rescue. And I think uh, FEMA is doing a great job in what they're doing. But how can FEMA, this bring question back to you again, a roundabout way, uh, help coordinate and support more local jurisdictional teams? Yeah, I this is this is a great question. And we need to ask it. It is a question that FEMA needs to ask itself this as well. So there are uh, fit teams uh, within the regions that are going to help develop those teams. But can FEMA do a better job? We can always do a better job. Why do we have after action reports, right? Uh, the guys that are saying they're perfect are, are the guys that you don't really don't want in the room. It's the guys that say, well, we need to do it better. Uh, that's that's always a critical component of NIMS. It's a critical component of ICS is how can we do better? And I think that uh, Dan, the administrator for FEMA, has recognized that this is an area where we need to do better. We need to help develop those local teams, uh, if, even if they're not going to be. So I, I draw from that national level team. The supplemental response teams draw from national level teams. I need to know that you've had a history of EMAC deployments, right? And, and you've done that successfully and you've been good at it. But there are lots of teams out there that aren't going to be those national teams. They're going to be a regional team or they might just be a local team. They might just say, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big team, uh, but I, I have my little town and I need to do a good job for my little town. And I agree with you how FEMA needs to ask those questions of itself and of its regional directors and of our local mayors, administrators. How do we make uh, your team better so that we are better prepared, how are, that we can respond, that we can go to work? How are we more resilient? And uh, I, I agree with you. This is, a, this is an area that we need to improve. And I, I, I really feel like my administrator coming in has, is saying those same things. So Ed, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. I want to talk about using NGOs, nonprofit uh, teams that are out there. Absolutely, happy to. Hey guys, hey, look for a couple. We have a couple sponsors here. Obviously, that we have talked about or in the beginning. We talked about Disaster Tech and what they're doing, the great work that they're doing with their Dice program, um, and Sean Griffin and his team over there, and that Boltron product is unbelievable. So if you have not checked them out, please do. And on a side note. In a month from now, about, well, maybe a little less than a month, on November 18th, um, I'm going to be in New York City with Administrator Pete Gaynor and Administrator Craig Fugate to talk about what it is to be the emergency manager at the top and the political stuff that goes on. We're going to have a great fire chat, side chat. And that is at NDAM, the National Disaster and Emergency Management Expo, um, on the 17th uh, through the 18th at the Javits Center in New York City. And it's a, a beautiful place redone down there. It's uh, going to be awesome. Who doesn't want to be in New York City in the fall? I love New York City. That's my state. That's where I'm from. So, of course, I'm going to love okay. it in the fall. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah. Hey, let's bring Ed back in the show. Ed, so yeah. I'm going to ask you a tough question. Maybe not so Absolutely. tough. Maybe no, not come so at tough. me. So, well, no, really, this is, uh, this is where the tough questions got to be asked. Right. They have to be. Yeah, go for it. So how do you integrate um, non-government agency IMTs, say like, say like Team Rubicon, for instance, how does that work? Can, how do you lean on somebody like that? 
Team Rubicon uh, is a great example and uh, what a great organization, right? I know mean, those people just knock it out of the park. Uh, they they show up no matter what, no matter how bad the disaster or, or no matter how small the disaster it feels like, those guys are always willing to show up. Uh, terrific, terrific organization. Uh, my my little little piece of this whole FEMA puzzle, the supplemental response teams, uh, is in a relationship right now with t- Team Rubicon. We consider that to be uh, an, an extremely important relationship for us. Uh, again, so for well, not again. This this is an important concept for the supplemental response teams. This is a we thing and not a me thing. If it's just FEMA driven. This will be like any of the millions of other ideas that happen out there that, uh, you know, it's good for a couple of years and, and then it dies. If this is a we thing, so if it's, if it's FEMA and it's the NGOs and it's, and it's the AHIMTAs and it's the IEMs, then it, it, it gets that forward momentum that it needs to keep going. The NGOs are a crucial part of that. So right now we're working on uh, a memorandum of understanding to move forward with uh, integrating uh, Team Rubicon into what we do. Uh, they have expertise that they bring, and and it's it's that what does the field look like? What does that boots on the ground look like? What does it mean to uh, when I say we need to clear roadways? Right, that's one of our lifelines. Uh, is transfer transportation is is one of FEMA's lifelines. So are our roads open? Well, what does that look like? I mean, I, how, what does that mean if I tell you that our roads are covered with trees? Well, Team Rubicon can tell me that. Right. Team Rubicon can absolutely tell me what it takes to clear trees from roadways. And uh, excavators or back, you know, backhoes or skid steer, whatever, whatever that looks like, Team Rubicon brings that expertise into FEMA that we don't have inherent to what we do. Again, we do support. We don't do the boots on the ground. We're always that 75,000 foot level. So having those NGOs come in with all of their expertise uh, is a huge issue for FEMA. And I I consider it critical to the supplemental response teams program. Uh, I would love to hear from more organizations that that are NGOs that would like to be a part of our program. Now, they have to be able to do ICS. Right. Right. They, they, so there are lots of NGOs out there uh, that do important role in emergency management that don't necessarily do ICS. I'm looking for those NGOs like Team Rubicon that can do ICS. That's that's a critical component. And they can. So let's talk about that for a minute. Then, so if a team, you know, we'll, we'll just make up. Uh, it's the uh, Dan and Todd nonprofit organization, right? Or, or right. right. And we say, hey, we're going to start this nonprofit, and we're going to run out. We're going to create an IMT. Um, just because we get a bunch of people that are level three trained doesn't mean that we're an IMT, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's. So we're we're going to look for. So if you let's, uh, I draw, because I'm FEMA. I'm going to draw straight from NIMS. Right. You're going to have to demonstrate to me that you have a qualifications process, right? That you you actually have PTBs, that you have coaching evaluators, uh, that you have a uh, certification process. Do you, do you have a certifying authority that's going to look at that PTB and make sure that you have the training, that you, you've actually done the work in the field? That So if you come to me and tell me that you're a resource unit leader, a resource, 
you have that PTB signed off on, uh, you've had a coach and evaluator look at you and your work, and that you've had a certifying authority look at it, and that you're credentialed to do that. So you have those that qualification, that certification, and the credentialing process straight out of NIMS. And your team has to demonstrate that you've been able to function well together. So this is this is why groups like SEMA and their EMAC process is so important to me uh, and what I do, because you need to demonstrate to me that you've been able to operate at effectively at a national level, right? So if you if you said, well, uh, you know, I'll give you the example, Butler County, uh, Ohio. It's a great team. Jeff Galloway's team out of Ohio. They they use they've deployed EMAC a number of times, a lot, uh, very often. So they can show me that their last deployment was to Louisiana and that they were effective and worked well in that austere environment, right? They're, they went where there's no power. So how are you able to operate where there is no power? Are you able to operate where you're going to have to get your drinking water? Can you, can you do that? Um, so just because you, you put your NGO together and you get 15 guys in a room going, hey, we're a team, and they all raise their hand and go, yay, we're a team, uh, that's just not, not going to make it. Now, I would still like to talk to you, Todd and Dan, about your NGO. <laughs> Please email me and let me know. Uh, because, well, because I want to come in and help you get to that next step. When you say, Ed, I, I want to be an SRT. Or Ed, I, I want to operate, and I may not want to be SRT, but I want to get to that national level. Okay, well, give me a call. I'd like to, to sit down with you and say, okay, you guys have an amazing idea. Your NGO is needed. We need you guys to show up and be in the field with us. Here's the things that you need to be doing to get you there. So just so I'm not ever going to tell anybody no. I'm not going to tell you, no, I don't think that's helpful. Mm -hmm. What I am going to tell you is that you might not be ready for prime time. You might not be ready for us, but I'm not going to tell you, no, I'd love to sit down. Anybody and everybody that wants to talk to me, email me. If it's 15 guys sitting around a firehouse or police station or the, you know, the shop for the county highway or your, uh, you know, health professionals sitting around your, your agency going, you know what, this ICS, there's something to this. We just went through COVID and I, we think we could have done this better. Uh, and you want to put your team together. Give me a call. I'd love to help you. I'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. John Campbell, he just said, uh, uh, gr glad to have smart people like you, uh, you know, working on these issues. So John just called you smart. So Ed, <laughs> John obviously doesn't know me very well. <laughs> well see, he's not talking to me. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Dan, you're the last one left in the room. So, uh, <laughs> I'll take the compliment. Thank you, John. Uh, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys that I have to uh, I have to put smart people around me because uh, you you trust me to run that dog park and you might be in trouble. Well, most emergency managers, if they're doing their job right, are not the smartest person in the room. Absolutely. So that's that's the, right. if they're doing their job right. They're building good teams, quality teams, and they're being the leadership that they need. They are definitely not the smartest person in the room, and they have the smarter people around them helping them do their job better. Um, but I have a, a, a question that I'd like to follow up and it's a roundabout and it can be it's it, it may be more of your opinion on how we can do this. But as, yeah. we, as I've mentioned uh, previous, um, what I feel is is really um, uh, lacking in emergency management is consistency mm -hmm. and accountability. And Absolutely. so how can we how can we uh, in, in general as an industry, but also FEMA 
uh, which is who we look to at the local jurisdiction uh, for help and guidance and training, um, bring more accountability and, and that will relate to more consistency in doing these things when we come when it comes to training, building, keeping our programs strong, keeping them resilient, and keeping them with the continuity of operations in place. So there's a couple of tools that FEMA can provide these teams, right? First of all, there's NQS, um, and there's first responder, and I would strongly urge all of the people who are listening in, just even if you're using NWCG or you're using uh, PTBs from AHIMTA, I would strongly urge you to go into FEMA's system and, and explore NQS and what we're offering the communities uh, with our national qualification system. Uh, I, would, I would really strongly urge you to do that. Uh, we're providing a lot of information there with NQS and One Responder that I think would be extremely helpful to a lot of the people who are listening. So even if you're doing it a different way, uh, it's why I log into NWCG. It's why I look at what the Coast Guard does, uh, because everybody has something they can teach me. Uh, and it, it, the moment you stop learning, the moment you're you're done, check out, go home. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I would. And the other one is um, I would log in. It's called the Community Lifelines Implementation Toolkit. Uh, Community Lifelines Implementation Toolkit. And it's a FEMA toolkit that allows you to, to implement your the lifelines that FEMA uses. So there's seven of them and they go through the whole, everything from safety and food and transportation. That toolkit allows you to help you develop your objectives more consistently. So if we're all using the lifelines across the board to develop our objectives in emergency management, we would do that. Uh, I think that, but in the broad picture, you are absolutely correct. We need to do a much better job. So there, those are the tools, I'm sorry. So those are the tools that I can give you is logging in NQS and the toolkit and actually just tinker around FEMA's website. We offer tons of stuff that is not always easy to get to, but it's definitely there. But Dan, I think you're right, to be honest with you. I think we need to, as a nation, be doing a better job of consistently training across the field. I think we need to do a better job of consistently exercising across the field. Because one of the, what, you know, what is NIMS talking about, right? We should be able to show up any, anywhere on any emergency, be speaking a common language and know that, that that situation unit leader knows what they're doing. They have an approved PTB. And if I need to put that situation unit leader in a position to do that 209, do whatever it is they need to do as a situation unit leader, that, that analysis, they should be able to do it. And I don't know that we're there yet. I, 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 which is why this, you know, Todd, this is why this program is so critical, right? You got to get that message out. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I can, I can sit here from my office in Washington, DC and scream and yell, Hey, we need to do a better job training. We need to do a better job exercising. And that's going to go as far as the hallway across the, you know, that's going to make it across the hallway. <laughs> right. But here, right on this show, this is why, this is why what you're doing is so critical to the nation because we need to be getting that message out. We're, we're not doing the job we should be doing on training. We're not doing, and, and I, again, my administrator is saying, yeah, we need to take a look at this. And one of the things she's saying, by the way, which is huge and exciting for the world of emergency management that I, I took from the direction she's sending is she wants to see empirical data sets. She wants to see what this looks like in, in real numbers. How prepared are we? How resilient are we in real numbers, uh, in real time? Which 
is exactly where we haven't been yeah, before. Yeah, it's been abstract for a while, right? You know. Right. It's it's not. It's been very objective. Well, I think we're feeling good today, uh, and it has been. It hasn't been numbers driven. Right. This is exactly how resilient we are. This is exactly how prepared we are. And she has set FEMA on a course to find out what those numbers look like. So I, I think I'm pretty excited about the direction that FEMA is going, to be honest with you. I, I, I really am. Uh, I, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think that, Dan, you're identifying the same issues that my administrator is identifying. Uh, we, have, we, have the, uh, we have the good fortune that she's come from FEMA, but she also comes from that emergency management world. Right. She's been in New York. Todd, you're stomping grounds. Uh, she's she's been uh, she's worked with incident management teams and she recognizes this need. And Dan, I think you've hit the nail on the head. We need to be doing a better job of it. Right. Well, we would actually we were we would love to have Administrator Criswell on the show. So if you can arrange help us arrange that. <laughs> well, the next time she calls me. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pass that on. I'll pass that on to her. Actually, uh, uh, no, I really, I, I will pass that request up to uh, my boss is Susan Hankey, by the way, this is, so this is how com committed that FEMA is to making sure we get this right. Uh, my boss actually comes out of Mississippi emergency management. Uh, she was, uh, did a, a stint as their EMAC coordinator. So, uh, she would be very receptive to me passing that request up the chain of command. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to change direction here just for a minute. We're here getting close yeah. to the end, but I want to get to, so, okay. um, October is the month where we put out the word for what books belong on an emergency manager's bookshelf. That show is the special show that we do, uh, just for Thanksgiving. And uh, because, uh, you know, who wants to talk about emergency management on Thanksgiving? Nobody really, you know. Right. And, uh, um, so what book do you think belongs? One or two. Give me a couple that you think that emergency managers should read. Ooh, that is a great question. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, I guess you're not talking about the uh, the NIMS guide, right? No, that's not exciting. No, no, no. no. Um, they do like leadership books. This is, I mean, kind of stuff that that uh, we we're all over the board. When if you take a look at the list, it's it's a crazy amount of nominations I've already put up there. So, what do you have so far? Just curious. Uh, uh, we have like uh, extreme ownership by uh, you know Chaco. We have start uh, with why. Start with why. Uh, of course, Amanda Ripley's book always yeah. makes the list. Uh, you, you know, so all over. Um, some are just um, failure of imagination. Right. Yeah. Uh, there, we have another one that's on uh, computer science, like data science for decision making and things like that. So it's like all over the board. There's really no, no uh, super one book that's been uh, uh, hasn't been made. It I think. So let's talk about um, a quite a one is called the death of expertise. Yeah, uh, I would recommend that highly. Uh, another one that I. Um, I, I would. I'm re. I've just cracked the book, so I, I hesitant. But I've I've liked the first, uh, the first chapters. It's called Humble Leadership. Oh, nice. Who's that by? Uh, uh, da -da -da -da. Okay, hang spot. on. <laughs> yeah, hang. Hang on. I hang on. I gotta read. Uh, um, Edgar Sheen and Peter okay. Sheen. Uh, Humble leadership. I think that's a that's a, I mean in, in general, like leadership books I think are great, but if you if you if you take a look at it from it like where 
I think where we make a mistake on leadership, I know we're going a little bit over, but um, is where if you think that you have all the answers, you are not, you're in the wrong, wrong job. You, you need to be working with your team, you know? Yeah, so, so I had a, uh, uh, a guy, a type one leader tell me, he asked me the question, who's the most important person in the room? Just put me on the spot. Who's the most important person in the room? I was like, I, uh, I, incident commander. Nope. I don't know if it's an ops briefing, the ops section chief. Nope. And I'm like, okay, I give. And he goes, the person that needs help. That's the most important person in the room. The person that needs help. And, uh, I took, I, I took that to heart and that's, and, uh, genuine, he was a genuinely Joe Mohawk, uh, by the way, there's a guy, Joe Mohawk, uh, and uh, Joe is genuinely a humble leader and took no credit for the success of his team. He, he always gave credit to the team. And uh, I, that's it. Being a humble leader is a huge, huge deal. I, I hesitate to recommend the book because I'm only a few pages in, but uh, uh, I would certainly recommend the others. There's another um, um, Black Swan. Oh, yeah. Great Black book. Swan's a yeah. Good book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a really good book. So those, those are my top three right there. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Hey, so how can somebody find you? So y- y- I'm right here at the top of the steps. <laughs> 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 no. Uh, so if you go to, uh, and I, I don't know if you have the ability to post my email address. Sure. Yeah. If you could uh, just email me or Susan Hankey. S-U-S-A-N dot Hanky, same female, dhs.gov. She's my, uh, she's my boss. Uh, she's amazing. But just if you drop me an email, I guarantee you I will get back to you. Leave your phone number and I will call you. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not a big texter. I'm less than the boomers, right? This, this texting, I, I barely can figure out how to unmute my mic. Right? <laughs> I, I just, you know, I don't know. Uh, but if you, if you leave me your phone number, I will call you. And, and I'll be happy to talk with anybody that gets in touch with me. I would, I would love to have those conversations. Awesome. Hey, Ed, thank you so much for your time today. It's great to meet you. Uh, you. You guys are awesome. This has been a privilege and an honor. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Dan. Thank All you. Right. Hey everybody. Thank you for spending time with us this morning, this afternoon. And uh, uh, it's great here to be, you know, leaving here in a little bit, but being, you know, in uh, Grand Rapids, a great city. Great, and, and we're going to be in Savannah next year for IEM. I think it's going to be awesome as well. Yeah, mark your calendars next year. It's November 11th through 17th, 2022 in Savannah, Georgia. Mark your calendars. Uh, absolutely, and I hope to see you guys there. Hey, follow us on uh, on LinkedIn, right? I mean, you know, go over there, engage with us. We have a lot of people that are over there. Thanks for paired this guy. Um, you know, go over there and, uh, you know, like, reach out to me, reach out to Dan, um, and would love to connect, and hopefully we'll see you live sometime soon. And don't forget to participate in the great shakeout today. Oh, yeah. We should be on a table right now, yeah, shouldn't we? Almost. Right. Almost time. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you later.